0: Steve, we're back this week. It's it's the week of the Super Bowl, so we have to record a podcast because that's how sports media works. We have to record a podcast the week of the Super Bowl.
1: Well, then we're doing our job. It's great.
0: Okay, great. Our, our job that we get paid a lot of money for.
1: Checks come every day, it feels like.
0: And big checks. Um, no, we do this because we love it. And I get to spend an hour or two with Steve every, every week. Uh, this is the Stuff Summer Says podcast with... Steve, 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 we will talk about the Super Bowl as I unplugged my headphones by accident here. But we will also talk about um, Brad Keen, who joins us on the podcast. Brad has a great career journey um, from working in college athletics to working on college athletics in a different capacity through multimedia, a.k.a. Learfield. And now he works on the other side of all of that uh, with Highmark. Um, So we'll spend some time talking about that, his career journey what success looks like looked like for him at Penn state his success looks like for him now in his new job. And then um, after that, we, Steve, Steve and I got to talk about this kale Sanderson thing, because I think not a lot of people are talking about it and that's not why we need to talk about it, but it's just, it, it's, it's right up our alley. Um, and then we will of course, touch about, talk about the super bowl um, with our traditional super bowl prop, prop bets. Uh, spectacular. Um, so, go ahead and take a listen to the interview with brad and then we will be back after this steve again our booking agent is as he's working hard he's getting important people from around the world around the sports world i think it's a good way to put that oh steve already froze tonight oh yeah, my god steve
2: darian I'll, I'll fill in i, I don't it, am i you said important was i this week or next week i Sure uh, you're that, you're
0: always important you know, right it's so always important, important. anytime i get to but chat okay. with you,
2: I'll make sure. okay. I'll make sure, you
0: know. all right but, yeah. he is he is the manager of brand activation at highmark health um he has also had stops at wake forest bandy penn state and he was also i think my nittanyville advisor uh for yeah. at least one season yeah. um but brad keen joins us he's gonna spend some time today talking about um Really talking about kind of both sides of the business, because now he works on the other side of the business, um, you know, with with the brand, as opposed to working with the the universities as well. Um, I know a lot about your career journey, Brad, but uh, maybe for those who don't know, you could could walk if you could walk us through kind of your story and what it is that you do around sports business, sports media or, you know, really sports business primarily.
2: Sure. So, um, well, thanks for having me. Really excited to be here. Um, You know, I took a uh, took an atypical path, I'd say, in terms of sports. I um, when when during undergrad, I you know didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, So I I ran a bar in downtown Tuscaloosa called Boo Radley's, special shot tequila Mockingbird. I did that, and then I finished uh, with my undergraduate degree in public relations. You know, I didn't um, I didn't get to know my professors. Uh, I didn't have an internship. I didn't do the things I needed to do um, to set myself up, up for success when I graduated. So I thought, you know, I graduated. I had a degree. Got some management experience. Um, I should be able to find a job. And uh, and that wasn't the case. You know, I'd go to these um, these sales conferences and and some of these these job fairs and it was always the same thing you know if you want to work in restaurant hospitality um, you've got that because that's your experience but outside of that you know you you really need to get an internship and so on and so forth so um, in October of 2008 one of my good friends he worked at a soccer camp and I played soccer growing up and um, they had a guy call out and he um, asked if I'd fill in and I did and uh, started talking to the camp director who was the graduate um, or head of the graduate department uh sport management program grad program in alabama he said he thought of working in sports said, so i hadn't you know i love sports and so I, I met with him that was a friday i met with him on monday um we talked about what i needed to do to uh to get into graduate school to to pursue a, a master's degree in sport management and um and i left his office and my apartment it was right next to the football stadium there, Bryant Denny Stadium in Tuscaloosa. And I remember walking back to my or uh, back to my apartment. I'm walking back to my apartment, and thinking, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's now or never. And and so I stopped when I got in front of the football stadium and walked up the steps, uh, and just banged on the door until someone answered. And, and they asked me what I wanted. And I said I want an internship. They said What do you want to do? I said You know, I'll clean toilets if that's what you need. And um, We got the director of marketing, and uh, we had a conversation. And I started the next day as a marketing intern, um, you know, 60 hours a week, unpaid, and all that fun stuff. And then um, started uh, started the graduate program in August of 2009. And then at that point, um, uh, from that point on, landed uh, at Middle Tennessee State in Murfreesboro um, as an assistant director of marketing, and then had an opportunity to go to Vanderbilt and handle football and baseball marketing efforts, which is really unique for an assistant director in the SEC to have an opportunity to do football. Uh, James Franklin was the head coach, so I think you know where this is going. Um, left left Vanderbilt, had an opportunity to take over at Wake Forest as the director of marketing and handle football and men's basketball as well as day-to-day operations. And then um, in March of 2014, got a call to, um, Interviewed for an assistant athletic di- director job at penn state um interviewed for the job started same day as sandy barber so i think it was august 18th, 2014 and um handled uh you know oversight marking oversight for the athletic department all 31 programs but spent you know majority of my time focusing on football And then in july of 2018 transitioned out of my marketing role into a sponsorship sales role with penn state sports properties so Learfield. so darian when you say you know both sides um it's actually like three sides you know i've got the athletic department side then the, the third party multimedia rights holder side of learfield and then in um in november of 2022 uh left learfield and um I Went to work for Highmark Health, who just so happened to be my largest client um, while I was with Learfield. So had a you know, had a like a four and a half year tryout for Highmark, and um, and and left. And and you know, it, one of my one of my former bosses said, you know, it's really important to know what you like doing, but what's what's even more important is to know what you don't like doing. And um, and I didn't like sales. Um, you know, I was I was good at it, but I just didn't enjoy it. And and know it it really um really gave me an opportunity to think about you know in terms of my my next career move um, to think about what it was that i really wanted to do and highmark gave me that opportunity uh, as the manager of brand activation um and now i get to you know i get to activate both the highmark and the allegheny health network brand um within these major partnerships that we have with some of these major sports teams like the buffalo bills and Penguins and Pirates and Sabres and still get to do some stuff with our, our college partners at Penn State and West Virginia, Marshall, Delaware, to name a few. And, and we're, we're now starting to really get into music. And so that's that's something new for me. And um, and so, yeah, now I work brand side um, and you know, gone kind of full circle and, and working for the department. So then a third party multi rights holder to now brand side. And so being able to um, to have you know multiple lenses that I can apply to this job is um, you know I, I think really beneficial um, for or I, it's really beneficial for Highmark but it's also really beneficial for me in terms of feeling um, you know uh, utilized and stretched, and um, I you know I feel like every aspect of, of of who I am in terms of my experience is being um, being tapped into. So feel very fortunate and very fulfilled, and um, you know that all started with uh, a conversation on a Friday in October of 2008 after a a soccer practice. Um, You know, and here I am 15-plus years later. You know, math, I didn't... PR, not math, so I think... That's (laughs)
0: That's fine. fine. This is a communications-focused podcast, so we we understand. Yeah,
2: yeah, I graduated from the College of Communications in Alabama, so... Um,
0: So I think there's... So much there. And I think the main I want to hear from you on are specifically with your let's 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 take a step back and go back to your jobs around Penn State Um, for the one where you worked for Penn State. What did your day to day, not necessarily day to day, but game day look like? And then how did that differ when you stepped into the Learfield role? Because I don't think a lot of people realize Learfield is a separate entity of, of Penn State in some some capacity right so
2: yeah so game day um, you know game day was um, game day was a lot um, you know it was um, it, it started it started early and it ended late um, and it was I call it organized chaos just because you know you you would you would you would script out um, you would script out game day from start to finish from like a marketing and promotion standpoint so um, you know, Making sure that um, you know that that everything that happened outside of the venue happened when it was supposed to happen. So fan fest and people are showing up, and you're working with operations and event management and Nittanyville. and um, you know you're just kind of um, making sure all of that is is, is running accordingly. Um, and that changes, you know, based off of the game, and you've got game time and theme and weather and all 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 other types of things. And then once you get in venue, you know. Those athletic experiences are scripted. Um, they're scripted down to the second, and and you might you, know, you might not know that. And that's the goal, um, is is to create an experience and to create an environment where, um, you know, you're kind of swept up in it, and and you don't you don't realize until after the fact that you've been swept up, and, and at, at no point are you questioning like, why am I yelling this loud, and why am I feeling this emotional over this thing? And and what you don't realize is that there's somebody you know, on a headset, um, in a press box somewhere, kind of pulling all these strings and hitting all these buttons and making sure that, you know, for Penn State specifically, that, you know, zombie nation hits at the right time and the intro video hits at the right time and the blue band takes the field at the right time and the fireworks go off and um, and all those things. And so, like I said, it, it's scripted, you know, everything's scripted and you make sure that um, you have your your fanfare elements. you make sure that you have your sponsored elements. Um, you know you you you're, you are the director and the producer um, and the playwright and the costume designer, like all those other all those other analogies. Um, but but the thing that I loved about it was you know you could you could have all that stuff on paper and it could look it could look really good on paper, you know. Got your spreadsheet everything looks perfect but then once you get into like a real live game experience um you know it's a it's a very fluid living and breathing thing um you know we when when the press box and beaver stadium when they put new windows up um, we asked to keep our old roll-up door uh, just because we wanted to roll it all the way up so we could like Hear and feel the crowd and just understand what was happening within the bowl. Um, and, you know, it's like I said, it's scripted, but then in, in those moments where, um, like, for example, um, let's say, you know, let's say we, we throw a pick six. You know, typically you go to media timeout uh, during a change of possession um, or an injury, but uh, you throw a pick six, uh, visiting team returns the ball for a touchdown, not a great mood and in, in venue. Well, on my script, I might have, you know, Highmark Health, uh, you know, PA read 37. The last thing I want to do for the experience and also for our partner, Highmark Health, is to, uh, you know, in that moment, um, have that brand associated with, with that feeling, you know, so everybody's bummed, they're down, it stinks, and then it's like, Ladies and gentlemen, hi Mark. Would like to remind you that like nobody. So just being able to like make those adjustments in real time, it was fun, you know, and it was always different. Um, and and those types of those types of things, that type of scenario uh, that I'm mentioning here, I and mean, that takes place at you know almost every single athletic event that you attend, whether it be football or soccer or lacrosse or ten- like it's you know there's there's somebody there um doing things with a ton of like uh, intention right and deliberateness um if, if that's a word uh to um to create this atmosphere and this this environment uh that you can kind of get swept up in and um and it's not you know it look a lot of the same things i did at wake forest i did at penn state and it's completely different right so it's there are a lot of variables and um you know the the fans and the students and Everything really has to kind of like come together at the right time, and uh, Penn State's one of those places where it happens. And um, we're very fortunate to have been able to be a part of it. But you know, it it does um, it does wear on you. You know, I mean, I I I did that for football, um, you know, beginning in I think it was like at Middle Tennessee State, September of 2010 and so you know i i did that every single game day for eight years four different schools and um you know it yeah it's very stressful and it does wear on you um and there are very few people that uh, experience that with you and that's a special thing but um but but i wanted to you know i wanted to experience game day differently than i than i had done prior and so um, when i joined learfield you know, game days are actually um, when you're a seller, you know, game days are actually a lot of fun because you're really just hosting, you know, and you're just making sure that the people there are having a good time and um, you, you, you've you got a, you've got an agenda. I mean, you're not just hanging out, you know, I mean, you're strategically having conversations. I mean, to have a conversation on the sideline during the whiteout with a prospect um, is pretty powerful. You know, I mean, when, when When you're trying to get somebody to sign on the dotted line you know you can say it all you want i always say like it's one thing to say it, it's another thing to show it it's even better when you can do both so um you know i I think coach franklin always says like if we can just get them on campus um you know that's that's truly how i felt in that role and so um you know game days were It wasn't like the four AM start time and the four four hour afterwards, you know, you're going home and game days in that role were like, you know, you're rolling up you know, you're rolling up at like noon for a a a mid afternoon kick and you're just hosting and and whatnot. But that that's because like a lot of the like most of the heavy lifting takes place during the week, not in season and 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 the um I call it like the life cycle. Um, of those conversations, I mean, you know, from the first conversation to the time you put pen to paper, I mean, that's typically like will get 18 to 24 month thing. And so yeah. um, very, very different.
0: So now that you are on the other side of that second part of the, the equation, what is what is different for you about that? What is, uh, you know, how do you approach that kind of differently maybe than you would have? going into this, this current role, you know, with, with HiMark.
2: So, so a lot of it, you know, a a lot of, um, when we talk about approach, like most of, most of it all takes place beforehand and, and, and kind of in two, um, in two arenas, you know, depending on the conversation. So, uh, you know, let's say let's say I'm working with one of our professional teams or, or, or even one of our colleges, right? I mean, um, you know, at least now until until you know, Penn State Athletics has a new multimedia rights holder, so for the time being, it's still Learfield, but um, but still work with Learfield at West Virginia and other schools. And so, um, you know, i i have the I have the ability um, or the the know-how in terms of um you know any maximizing the agreement so taking the asset mix and fully maximizing it fully realizing it and connecting the dots and if i feel like the dots aren't connecting the way that they need to be connecting and when i say connecting i mean you know connecting within the agreement but then also connecting in a certain way on game day because i have that experience in that lens as well Um, then i also have the experience and lens um, to navigate an asset swap in real time or You know, to request something of a partner that we're not getting uh, and then, you know, if if the partner uh, and I I call everybody partners. So even the teams you work with, like those are our partners. And so, you know, if one of our partners comes back and says, you know, hey, hey, man, we we can't do this. um, You know. I know how I know how we can do that thing that they say we can't right? and I'm not Mm -hmm. going to be a jerk about it, but I also know which levers to pull and which things are valuable and which things aren't as valuable just based off of my experience i mean you know when i left learfield i didn't you know i didn't take the rate card um and download it onto a hard drive but i did it for four and a half years like i know what things cost i know what things are worth i mean ultimately they're worth whatever anyone will pay for them but like i know what they're worth and so um so i don't know i can enter a conversation with with a bit of credibility um i feel like i can Um, I can push back a little bit Uh, and then you know once we once we kind of do that dance once once we do the dance with the the sponsorship or the partnership um, unit we we then kind of have to do a dance with the uh, the marketing and the production folks because if there's something in game that has to happen ultimately they have to execute on what's being sold Um, and so what you'll find is that when you're, you know, when you're working with a partner on an asset swap, um, you'll all come to some kind of agreement. But then that'll have to go to the team's, you know, marketing and production, uh, um, in-game entertainment unit to figure out how to get it done. And in the event, you know, they push back, similar to the sponsorship stuff, I- I've got a bit of credibility because I've done that, and so I can say, well, you know, here's i can articulate in a way in which they can understand um i can anticipate um questions or concerns that they'll have because i've had those same questions and those same concerns and so you know i truly can um have a positive impact um on the relationship for all parties involved because of my experience and um you know i i actually um I don't go. I mean, maybe like a handful of times, but I get to work with all these these great teams, and you know, we have these these great partners, and I get to travel quite a bit. But I don't go to the athletic events. Um, I choose not to. You know, I um, I just needed a break. You know, I mean, it's it's like it's complicated. Um, you know, it, it just it, it it. I just spent so much time doing it that. Um, you know I, I guess it's like anything, right? like if you if you do what you love, that's great, but at some point it'll become work. and um for me, that's what happened. You know, I just lost my love for sport, um, and I just needed a break because when I would go, you know if if I'm in venue and I'm at a game, like i'm I'm watching it like I'm on headset again, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm just critiquing everything and I'm not yeah. able to enjoy it so. Um, So I think for me in this current role, I mean, that's the approach. A lot of it happens, um, you know, in the off season. um, And a lot of it, um, a lot of it revolves around me kind of leaning into both my experience in sponsorship and then in marketing um, to find a solution that, that is kind of like a win, win, win for everyone.
1: You mentioned your experience, Brad, and I wanted to ask about the high of being in an event, but you're not going now. So what is, What's the feeling like when you know you've done a good job and and what what are those moments that would have been comparable to the home team making the pick six and playing the right announcement
2: yeah um,
1: well i mean it, it 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 isn't
2: comparable um I mean it's you know it's the, the the experience that I had um in in marketing is is probably unlike anything I'll ever experience again, but I think that was um think that for me that 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 was a problem, and what I mean by that is, um, you know, not to um, not to make light of addiction, but um, but I but I was kind of addicted to that high, you know, like I I was never home, um, you know, at that point I didn't have a family, but I, but I was married, um, and I just knew that I couldn't control my own um, self. To continue to do this and also be, you know, a a good husband and and now a good father to two boys and um, and so you know those those experiences. um, You know are. Like i'm not trying i'm not chasing that you know i'm not chasing that I I know that i'm not going to get that I mean even in sales, even when you want to make a big sell. um, You know that was great, but it, it really didn't compare in this role. You know, I think for me, um, you know, I, I'm, I've set the right expectations, so I'm not chasing that, um, you know. But, but what I what I am doing is, you know, I'm redefining, I'm redefining who I am and redefining my identity um, and, and. And I'm not saying it's comparable, but this job. You know, this job allows me to do that and gives me the space to do that. And so some of the things that I feel really good about, um, you know, I'm, I'm 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 leading a team again, which is not something I did at Litterfield. And so to be part of that um, process with 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 teammates is is um, is very gift giving and gratifying. Um, you know, I'm I'm learning a it's my first corporate job. So you know I'm learning. Learning how to navigate that, and that's exciting. Um, you know, we'll say something that uh, I mean it. I, you could say it's comparable. So in January of 2023, I went to um, I went to Pittsburgh, High marts located in Pittsburgh, downtown mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, on Fifth Avenue Place, big 33-story high-rise, right, skyscraper, whatever you want to call it. Um, and um, and I remember I remember walking out of my hotel, which is right across the street and um, and then walking out of my hotel, I, you know, and I, I looked about the building and I was just kind of like, you know, look at you, man. You know, like you made it You had a, had a peacoat on. Um, <laughs> I, I looked. I mean, I, you know, I made it like I felt very, um, you know, I felt really good about the choices I had made. I felt really good about where I was in that moment, um, and felt very fortunate and appreciative. And you know, I think you know that for me, that moment was probably comparable, um, if, if at all. Um, but in terms of the job and, and some of the things we do, I mean, you know, it's it's um it's great, it's cool, but um, it's just different because. You know so much of my identity is wrapped up in something else you know that isn't my job um and so you know i i I don't know i mean i'm not you know it's almost like vocation versus occupation you know and so for me this job has allowed me to kind of redefine and reprioritize and um and diversify my identity and i think that's probably the thing that i'm most excited and happiest about with this new job is being able to to redefine uh, redistribute my identity so to speak um so that i could be more well-rounded you know both personally and professionally whereas previously you know i was really um i had all my eggs like in one basket a professional basket um and i didn't know if i could ever change that and um and you know thankfully this job has given me the opportunity to do that that's
0: cool when you when you talk about in your new role now, you know, you know what the prices are, you know what this advertisement on the scoreboard costs type thing. But how do you remes- measure the return on investment um, there? And, and, and is that I, I struggle with this because I come from the e-commerce side where I have a ROAS, right? And I can see we made this much revenue and we spent this much ad dollar. This is it's a little bit harder to do that, particularly with a brand like Highmark that's also an insurance brand that kind of everybody sort of needs insurance. So what does success in terms of metrics look like for you in both overarching company, but also maybe, you know, that single event ha- went well because we gave away this many things?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. You know, my, I mean, my, my job, my position is new. So my job did not exist. Um, and the department I work for, um, did not exist until i think like april of 2022 so um so those questions had never been asked before you know for for the longest time you know it wasn't called activation it was just called um, like events like before i got there it was just events and so um it was you know it was a, it was a tent a table two chairs and and some giveaways and that's what we did and you know it was all top of funnel awareness and so but but how did how do you even measure that right and so it was just kind of like well we showed up with two t t-shirts and we went home with 100 so we gave away in um so so we're still i mean we're still a work in progress in terms of like how, how we um in terms of our kpis and how it ladders back up to the different lines of business and um and so on and so forth but we are at a place now where you know we're like like surface level um you know first layer um for us it's uh it's a little different because yes i, I help um I help support and activate the highmark brand but also support and activate allegheny health network which is the hospital system that highmark owns so two very different things you know one Allegheny Health Network, like you, the consumer, have a decision to make, and so there's just a different type of posit- brand positioning, and um, and and so on and so forth. And then with Highmark, yeah, it's insurance, um, so you know it's it's not, for the most part, you're not really making a decision uh, about the insurance, even though we do have decision makers kind of as part of our um, target audience segment, so on and so forth. But um, for us, it's it's pretty simple. It starts with reaching reach and engagement um and then um, you know we put a percentage on it so high mark the the insurance side we are in um you know we are in four states and we and those states are broken down into markets and so we cover all of west virginia all of delaware and then um, western pa central pa just entered the philadelphia market so southeast pa northeast pa western new york northeast new york um and then erie and i'm sure i'm forgetting something but um but we look at those markets and we take the total dma from each market and um, we assign a percentage to it and say okay you know we we at a minimum have to um you know have to hit a certain percentage of of the dma population within the market and then of the percentage we hit we need to engage with i think our metrics like two percent so we need to engage at least two percent so a lot of the stuff we pull from we are pulling from like um you know some some best practices and benchmarks in terms of just media buy. Um, a lot of like, you know, we like we compare ourselves to direct mail as well in terms of some of those numbers. But um, but reach and engagement. And then we've just started introducing, um, you know, we've just started introducing some data capture. So um, you know, we're about to roll out a couple of augmented reality interactive mirrors with the Sabers, the Penguins, and the Pirates. We'll do some data capture we'll capture some primary email addresses we've got some things that capture phone numbers we don't know what we're going to do with this stuff yet um but first we're going to capture it and and then and then we're going to tell a story in terms of how we're supporting some of the lines of businesses and um and 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 basically hand these leads over once we cross reference members versus non-members. but to kind of go back to your question i mean right now we're, we're we're simply looking at reach and engagement and and then yeah, you know, so 2023, we were just kind of just doing as much as we could. Well, well, now that we have some some real numbers to to look at as we go into 2024, we we have, um, you know, I mean, we've got our goals, our objectives, and our tactics. And within our objectives, we do have reach and engagement percentages that we have to hit, and then we know which tactics we can use to to meet those because we have a year's worth of data to pull from, um, and then. You know when when we're doing projected reach for certain activations, um, we'll do that on the front end and then on the back end, after the activation we evaluate, we'll go in and we'll look at you know oppression impressions and um, those types of things. And you know, we could always boost um, you know we're run a lot of social media sweepstakes, so we could always boost some things to make sure that we hit the numbers we need to hit. But that's where we're at right now. and and you know, and then at some point, probably next year, we'll figure out how to use this data that we're capturing and then we'll also figure out, um, in terms of engagement, we'll do like deep engagement, right? We'll start to really um, spell out and, and define the different types of engagements we're looking for. And we'll put a value to to those. But right now, it's just, um, you know, certain percentage, reach a certain percentage within market and then engage with a certain percentage of the percentage that you, you reached. Um, and then tell a really compelling story around that. And then just get like my boss says, like every year is one lap around the track. So you know, just just get better every year, even if it's just one percent. And so you know, 2023 was was the first year in in this role, and it was all about kind of um, making sure we had the the data we needed so that we could um, do what we needed to do in 2024 and and hit some real definitive objectives. Um, But then keep it to to your point to keep it simple though, because it's a huge organization. Healthcare is very complex, um, and you know it, it can it can be overwhelming at times. And so, we wanted to just keep it really simple for our team, uh, really easy for us to articulate. Um, and and you know, with marketing, I mean, it's storytelling, right? Like we live in the gray, so um, you know, it's it's easy for us to tell a compelling, positive story with um, with those objectives. Um, and, and that's, we're building, we're building the plane, building the
0: plane. I'll leave you with this then, I guess, uh, kind of going off of that a little bit and, and just kind of maybe put a bow on everything, but why, and the answer might be as simple as there's a lot of people that pay attention to it, but why is sports such an important vessel for marketing for brands?
2: so um what a question man what a question right Sorry. it's almost like it's almost like i've never been asked this before when i'm selling sponsorship um so i mean you know it's i mean it's, it's so some of our brand submeasures like joy and emotion um you, know, you think about you think about when and where you're the most passionate right and so you know in terms of in terms of like why a brand wants to uh, partner with like a penn state um so there's a certain affinity right a certain affinity and emotion that you feel um you know when, when you're you're a penn state alum when you when you come back to campus when you go to a game um we're we're trying to we're trying to transfer that same affinity and emotion you feel for penn state we're trying to transfer that to our brand um and you know it's there there are very few ways to do that on your own right like especially if you're like a a healthcare company i mean even think about state farm right like the the patrick mahomes commercials have nothing to do with state farm nothing to state Farm, right but but people people remember them People love Patrick Mahomes. People love Patrick Mahomes. Andy Reid, that whole thing. So for us, it's really about transferring that affinity emotion that fans feel for their team um, to our brand, um, and then also credibility. You know, especially if we're targeting the right audience. You know, if we're if we're talking Penn State to Penn State fans, or if we're showing up, you know, as a supporter of Penn State to Penn State fans, um, there's just this. There's this credibility um, that exists. Um, I used to always say, you know, um, like never talk to strangers. That's the saying, right? Like never talk to strangers. Well, um, you know, when you partner with a brand like Penn State and you're talking to Penn Staters, uh, you're no longer a stranger. It's almost like, you know, you're the, like, Highmark's the new kid at the high school and Penn State's the cool kid and they invite you to sit at the cool kid table. you know, and so now you're the cool kid. So like, um, I mean it really I mean that's pretty simple uh way to way to put it. Um, you know, and uh and that's for us, you know, that's that's why we do it and, and why we show up here is you know, we know that um you know health insurance isn't cool. Like nobody thinks health insurance is cool, but everybody loves Penn State or the Buffalo Bills or the Penguins or, or whomever. And so you know, we use these we use these brands as cover, you know, to kind of help tell our story. And and you'll see this with a lot of our stuff, especially since I've gotten here. Um, you know, when we work with a team and and we we, we do an on-site activation or, or we run a social sweeps or, or even, you know, the, the stuff we do in venue and in game it doesn't look like Highmark. Um, we don't want it to look like Highmark. You know, we want it to look like the Bills. We want it to look like Penn State, so on and so forth. Because um, that's the stuff that fans are going to pay attention to. And then if we can be smart and strategic with how we show up in that moment with that brand, like that's what we want to do. You know what I mean? we, we want um, We want you, the fan, to have that feeling you feel towards your alma mater and your team um, we want you to be experiencing that. And in that moment when you're experiencing that, we want to capture just a little bit of that, you know, by just like showing up. And so um, so that's, you know, I think like that's that's a big, big reason why we do it. You know, that's why we're doing the music stuff um, as well, because, you know, we know that it, that in those moments, you're probably um, those are probably some of the most joyful moments. And you're at your happiest. And we want to tap into that um and we want to you know we want to kind of ride the coattail so to speak um and that's you know that's really that's really why that's why we do it um you know we could certainly um you know we could we could go buy a bunch of impressions um you know we could um you know we could we could really we could cast a really wide net uh in terms of the funnel but um but for us, you know, this is this is where we want to show up. And and then the the last thing I'll throw out there that we're just now kind of starting to explore, especially in the Philadelphia market, is you know, it, it's also a un- unique way for us to show up in terms of community and community support and just extend the relationship beyond the the game and the game day experience and the sport itself. You know, it 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 allows us because everyone in the community also loves Penn State or the Bills or whomever, and it allows us to um, tap into and facilitate support. You know some really amazing, uh, amazing stories. I, I think last last uh, Jan- January um, there was a, a gentleman, a mechanic in Buffalo, and um, it was in the middle of a blizzard, and his car broke down. The mechanic's car broke down was in the middle of the blizzard, um, and he he went door to door offering people money to come in and no one let him in. So he broke into like an elementary school or junior high or something. Well, then he also saw like a couple dozen people stranded as well. And he went out and he like, he saved their lives. Like he brought them out of the blizzard into this school. And um, we surprised him. Thurman Thomas uh, is someone we work with with the Bills. And um, we surprised him with Super Bowl tickets at his shop. Um, for being for being a hero, and you know, because we partner with the Bills, we're able to do those types of things that extend beyond game day and extend beyond you know the, the typical uh, asset list or whatever. Um, and that's a great story to tell. But man, on the on the back end of that, I mean, you know, that story that gentleman um, was on, you know. Good Morning America and CNN and Fox. I mean, we realized over twelve million dollars of like unpaid media, wow. um, right? Just because of that. And so, um, you know, there there are a lot of reasons why we partner with teams. Um, and you know, we're uh, we we feel really good about the relationships and the partnerships we have. And like I said, in music, we're just getting started. But um, but everyone's different. I mean, everyone's got their own reasons for doing it, you know, and, and why and um, but for us, it's really just tapping into that, that affinity and that emotion and really partnering with the team to kind of like go all in on, on what, what that team's all about and, and, and really be part of that
0: community. Awesome. Cool. Uh, well, that's all I have for you, Brad. I really appreciate your time and, and kind of giving us a little bit of insight peek behind the curtain. Cause this is something Steve and I talk about a lot on this podcast. So, um, You have anything you want to plug? We always ask people if they want to plug something. I I guess you can plug Highmark here. Count our views as unpaid media. You want to
1: plug some warmer weather, man. Blizzards, you need some warmer weather clients.
0: Yeah, I
2: know. I I know. Tell me about it. Tell me about (laughs) it. Um, No, I mean, well, like, yeah, I mean, this is, I would say for, like, for, like, the students listening, right? Like, I mean, I'm assuming a lot of students are probably listening to this, right? So. Um You know, I so I actually I, I actually adjunct at Penn State. I teach um, I teach uh, marketing of recreation services with the College of or um, well, with recreation parks and tourism management. So RPTM four ten. And, 410. and um, you know every every semester I, I ask the question at the beginning of the first day of class. You know, show of hands, like who wants to work in sports? And I mean, I'm six semesters in. And I would say, like, 90% of the class raised their hands. And so I spent a lot of time talking with them about, like, you know, what that, like what that entails and, like, how you actually do that. And so, you know, the one thing I'd want to say is, you know, if, if you want to work in sports, like, it, it's not, like, yes, working in sports is difficult. But actually getting into it, like, it really isn't that difficult. Um, You just have to do it. Um, You just have to put forth the effort. You can go on any college athletic uh, website and you can find the staff directory and and everyone's email address is on there and everyone's phone number is on there. And you just got to do it. You just got to pick up the phone and call someone or send an email. Like you you just got to do it. It really is that simple. Like they need help. You know, most athletic departments are understaffed. And like they need helps, minor league teams, same thing. And so, you know, for for those students that want to work in sports, I would I would really challenge them and say, you know, like coming from somebody that's been in this business for quite a while, um, and you know, and know what I'm talking about. Um, if I'm telling you that it really is as easy as you like doing it, um, but you at a minimum like can't. Then you're never gonna work in sports. Don't waste your time. Like, if you can't pick up the phone and call someone or email someone, like, then you're just, it's not gonna happen. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm i just a big advocate of, of, of supporting students and helping students. And, you know, there's only so much that, that any of us, Steve, I know you are, Darian, obviously, I'm sure you still talk to students, but there's only so much that we can do. I mean, at the end of the day, like, you gotta make it happen. Um, and you got to get over whatever it is that's holding you back. And um, if you wanna, if you wanna work in sports, then go work in sports. Like, you're the only one holding you back. So, um, so just, I just wanted to to leave with that. You know, if anyone's out there, you know, listening and saying, Hey, man, like that's awesome. I'd love to do that. Well, go do it. You know, like I literally walked up the steps of the football stadium and banged on the glass until someone <laughs> let me in. You know, like just do it right like Nike just do it so um, so that so so yeah that that's it man that's it just gotta make it happen
0: that's that's good career advice from Brad yeah I didn't expect to get any career advice today and here we are with Brad giving career advice so uh, well thank you for joining us Brad thank you for the career advice thank you for joining us
2: Yeah. yeah no thanks for having me it's a lot of fun really appreciate it and uh hope you guys will have me
0: back Steve, I think the main thing that stood out to me was the emotion that comes into his job and really all of his job and and how it is, whether you realize it or not, those types of people that help create that emotion at a sporting event. Um, So that was really interesting to hear about. Um, And I think the other thing that was interesting to hear about was his career journey of kind of going from college athletics to kind of college athletics to really the opposite side, but still being, you know, tied, tied in. Um, what were some of your takeaways from our interview?
1: I think it reaffirmed to me that Brad Keene is one of the best dudes I know. I mean, <laughs> just in terms of going from, from tequila mockingbird shots, right. In college, right. Managing the bar <laughs> and probably doing them well. We just didn't follow up to see how how good he made that drink to, scripting and stuff for penn state football which we, which he talked about and how that's that man behind the curtain thing to the decision he made in terms of hey this is my family life and i want to be in sports but this is how i want to do it and this is what's going to be best for me and he's a great idea guy a smart guy down to earth um he's the kind of person i'm glad is in sports in some way and i think where he's at is kind of the perfect fit for what he does now so i, I that's i was just good to hear him talk about that stuff because i just like being around good people and he's one of them
0: I think the thing that was was interesting for me to hear was, you know, like they in his role now, particularly, it isn't sometimes we get wrapped up in like, oh, it's big corporation, big whatever. No, they do pay attention to how people like how their brand is evoked and, and tied um with other brands. And I think the other thing that stood out to me was, you know, really like you just said there, like his thought process is the way he walked through kind of the the what a return on investment looks like for them or, or not necessarily return on investment but success looks like for them i don't know if i would necessarily would have thought it through that way and and i think some of that's obviously from his career experience but i, I think it's just looking at it differently because i think when you when you can look at it differently you succeed you, you do better and so um i think that's what we got from brad
1: yep. i think the, the line about treating everybody as a partner is kind yeah. of true to who he is, and and I think that's great when someone's doing that, as opposed to no know, knowing you're the guinea pig for whatever they're doing. In Brad's case, it's okay. How do we make this a three win situation instead of a win win? And that's, I think that's wonderful.
0: Yeah, o- open and honest there. Um, okay, cool. Um, anything else you want to discuss with that interview? Nope. Glad we had him. Good dude. Okay. Good, good, good get by our booking agent as always. Again, we'll pay more. Okay, we'll plan more. Um okay, we have to talk about this article from our dear friend Mark Wogenrich. Um in case you missed it, uh which I, I didn't I, I saw a little bit of coverage on this and uh, it surprised me in so many different ways. And yet I also disagree and agree with some of it. It's it's we're going to get all of our feelings out here about it. But um so for Mark Wogenrich and uh his all all Penn State FN um website um there's headline is penn state wrestling turns up the volume on awkwardly quiet rec hall and it walks through kale sanderson's comments at a press conference this week after the ohio state match and kind of kale calling out rec hall for being quote awkwardly quiet uh he says rec hall is like a is like awkwardly quiet we need to make some noise in there i did hear a couple people saying turn off the music if people made more noise we would turn the music off it's just so quiet in there and then he goes on to say you could hear a four-year-old kid in the corner yell we are and if that's the case it's too quiet it's awkward this is a sporting event let's make some noise there's so much to unpack in this quote because the first thing that that surprised me is who said this like if 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 you presented this almost blank to me you know who i would say suggest said this Pat Chambers Kraft. and he, oh, I was gonna say Pat Chambers, yeah. but you say Pat Craft. Um, I, why why Pat Craft? Because I I I know Pat Chambers is the basketball. I coach. guess
1: just because Pat Chambers is gone, but I just think Pat Craft is you know we're looking we're looking for every way to make an atmosphere, make a dime, make it different, make a change, make it loud, right? Um, that's all. I just Pat Craft wasn't Pat Chambers wasn't on my mind, in the we like it was for you.
0: I think what surprised me is the kale said this. And I think what surprised me when I, when I thought through the not logistics, but of all of this, the logic of all of this is thinking back to Friday's match. And I I don't, you pay Steve pays a lot more attention to wrestling than I do. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I watched it on TV and the first match go ends in a controversial decision uh, replay review. Essentially the second Mm -hmm. match is a a loss or yeah, a, a loss. And then, about halfway through the match, there's a really surprising pin by an Ohio state wrestler that kind of nobody saw coming. And each one of those moments took the energy out of the arena. That being said, this was really Penn state's biggest wrestling match at home for the year, mm-hmm. um, regardless of location. And so it was, it 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 was a little weird to to see Penn state react that way, but I kind of, then thought about it a little more and thought about our discussion of, of what we've had during football season and, and, and kind of how football is going back to Brad's interview, you know, scripted and, and the the emotions that are evoked there. And they have been heavily leaning into like songs and, and, and this whole, this, the, the greatest show is back, right? Like that's the the slogan. You see that slogan a lot more prominently. And I think I'm going to take like the old guy route right on this, but I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with just going and enjoying the event, and I, I don't know. I I I, I don't. Uh, I I agree that Kale Sanderson should get whatever he wants. He can have whatever he wants at Penn State, but also at the same time, like this is gonna sound weird because this is not what I'm saying. But there's a complacence. I think there's a complacency with Penn State wrestling because they're they just are so good that. I don't know. It it was a weird moment and that in the moment of the match it was weird. It takes the crowd out. But I, I, also making it a sideshow or or making a sideshow out of the main event is also particularly weird that, that bothers me. So it it's it's somewhere in the middle there. Um there's a lot of little avenues with this.
1: Yeah. And I don't I'm not writing about this piece of it for the blog. I'm gonna have a piece for it up on the blog this week. I'm not gonna write about this piece. And this piece is the part that, as I think about it, the fuddles and maybe angers me a little bit. Um, he essentially took a swipe at the fans, right? Both the old fans who are too quiet and the young fan. I gotta tell you, I've been going to wrestling matches for on and off since I was a student. There's a lot of four-year-old fans who made their night by saying we are and igniting a cheer that starts through the crowd at that place. Because wrestling is quiet in between sections, right? So that four-year-old that he heard, that was that kid's biggest moment of his life to date. And he has just backslapped that kid for saying that so everybody could hear him, right? Plus, he's made fun of the old people who aren't making noise. So I get it. I know they're going to game day presentation stuff. I know they're going to go this way with it. This music is not going away. But I, it just feels weird that to get there, you're going to... Dis, dismiss or diss the fans along the way and that was one of the things that I struggled with and, and, and there's still a lot of other stuff to unpack and write about which is what I'm going to do with it like I just I don't know wrestling isn't I, a sport where you need that music walk up music when Darian's going to the mat and he picks his favorite song as his walk up music that's cool and I would like to be able to hear it I don't want to hear whatever else is going on I don't know sometimes it's okay just for the event to create the the atmosphere itself without having to be told what to do
0: that's a perfect way to put it. That's, that's a, yeah, that's, that's how I feel about it.
1: Um, I I thought wrestling was kind of pure that way. I felt wrestling was kind of like the one where our dudes are just really good. We're going to come out and kick your butt. Yeah, And part of it is complacency. I mean, these home matches are not in debate. I mean, Penn state wrestled. Okay. Maybe poorly at spots against Ohio state and still won easily. Right. So it's not like you're going there doubting the outcome. So it's kind of hard to get from that doubt, to that rise of emotion, because you're not going to go on that ride with them. You're starting up here to begin with. Your expectations are here. There's not going to be an emotional ride during the thing. If it is, it's going to be grumpiness and quiet because you're, you're ticked off. Or you're disappointed. Right. So some part of it is complacency a little bit. But I don't know. I just I know it's coming. I don't I'm not surprised that they're doing it. It just felt the way it came out you were smacking your fans as you were going about it and i just i don't know that's not the way but they're selling out somebody else will take that person's ticket if they don't go so it's all good
0: that's what i that's what's cup that's what a couple of weird things are about it it's like number one they're still selling out they've they're what on 50 some sellouts in a row so there's that there's I I do agree, especially with the part of for whatever reason it wrestling more more than any other sport. Wrestling was the attraction, like like even with football. And I I feel you know I go to the football game for the football game, right? But like I would say forty percent of that stadium, thirty percent of that stadium, particularly when they're playing Delaware or Indiana or Rutgers or one of not. Ohio State, not upper tier opponent. They, at least thirty percent of the fans there are are there because they're they're making an event a moment with their family. And with wrestling, it is no everybody's locked in on the wrestling match. Like, mm-hmm. and and I think I just think it is a, it is a weird, it's a greedy problem to have. And I think that's kind of what he's maybe alluding to. I, I don't know if he never necessarily alludes to it. I don't know if that's the correct word, but. He calls it out, or at least, it, it starts to acknowledge the elephant in the room a little bit. Of like, okay, like this is, like you said, like if if, if football is is twenty feet between expectation and reality, wrestling is five inches between <laughs> expectation and reality of what you're going to get, um, and it's it, it's hard to kind of be fired up about that. And I, I I've been thinking about that particularly for whatever reason that with this wrestling season, and maybe it's just cause I have a blog and, and we have the blog and kind of have an opportunity to think about it a little more, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, it's still going to be the hottest ticket in town. It's still the, the hottest ticket in town. Like I, you, you know, if you sell one of your tickets, you're going to make money on it type thing. So I don't know. I, I don't mind it, but I, I understand what he's saying. I'm also okay with him playing the music but also uh, make some noise i just don't be ungrateful for what what i think is what he's trying to say here is don't be ungrateful for what he's had but i do think like the
1: particularly the four-year-old kid thing you're right like that that was a big moment when you were a, a little kid i was like kind of, right, right? Yeah. and it's yeah. that way through generations and i think they do they've fixed some stuff with wrestling through the years my biggest gripe was i, mean, I think they changed it a couple of years ago they used to because wrestling tradition is that they're like you know if you can't hear the clock counting down there'd be a kid that would hit you with a towel hit the back of the the official with a towel to let them know the clock duck down we're in rec hall or the jordan center those horns are loud enough for those folks to hear plus there's two officials but there'd still be a girl like a college student from the from the booster club following along with a towel on the outside of the mat with 16,000 people watching it always looked low budget and i think they have finally gotten rid of that which is great for presentation they still have to figure out bout scores in in the jordan center when they do it you know so sound is like the least of their problems but this is all sports marketing sports presentations sports making a sporting event a show and i think sometimes a sporting event can just be a sporting event
0: yeah yeah and i think particularly with how good wrestling is doesn't need to be um okay we feel you feel a little bit better that you got that off your chest i know yeah i'm ready to do some getting you
1: i mean tell me what i'm losing money on super bowl
0: okay All right. Um our Super Bowl prop rats this year are brought to you by well, we don't have a sponsor, number one. Number two, some of them are the traditional ones and then some of them I made up. So are you nice. Are you excited? Okay. Yes. All right. Good. Uh coin toss, who wins?
1: Heads or tails, I mean?
0: Yeah, sorry, that's what I meant. Heads or tails. Oh, I see. Awesome. I I forget how coin tosses work. Tails. <laughs> tails
1: well, okay. is there going to be a tail or do we do we know if it's like the have they gone to the team i guess they haven't gone to the teams
0: well it, here's what we'll here's how we'll do it if if it's if it's like chiefs one side and 49ers one, the other side the the team that loses is tails because that the...
1: <laughs> okay
0: so we'll figure <laughs> it out all right the traditional gatorade color yellow yellow you've gone with yellow i think every time we've done this
1: I mean, i'm gonna yeah. go with
0: i i think i'm gonna go with red I'm gonna go with the red because you got two red teams playing in the Super Bowl. It feels feels a safe bet.
1: There you go. All
0: right. Who will have the first beer commercial? Bud Light. Bud Light. Okay. I I feel like Miller because Mil, remember Miller Light did a nice job with Super Bowl commercials last year. They had that the one because they were kind of the first time they could get at the table or whatever. I'm gonna go with Miller Light plus also. You know, my mom drinks Miller Lite a lot, so she doesn't want I don't want to so be the disowned. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to be disowned. Uh okay. First off, let's let's before we get to this, do you know who the halftime performer is? Usher, right? Yes, okay. So you didn't say that confidently. And I feel like a lot of people don't know who the halftime performer is this year.
1: Oh, uh, I don't know. I mean, I mean I, I'm I was I was pretty sure. Pretty sure okay. I'm in the category where I, I don't care either. So you don't care if you're going to start asking, start asking usher songs, I'm getting them wrong. Just wait
0: ha, uh over under. Vegas is putting the over under at halftime songs at eight and a half. So we'll hit over or under under. I also think under as well. So I'm going to go that's with That's that. a lot
1: to get. Somebody that's else a lot. Else.
0: Yeah, it's a lot. It's yep. a lot. OK, here's the first <laughs> curveball question. How many songs will Steve know? three and a half is the over under 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 really? oh, under i actually haven't thought about this that's why i said it at three and a half because i can think of about i'm gonna go over because i think you're gonna i think who is it i don't even remember who the halftime performer was last year um rihanna was the, the performer last year like there were a lot of rihanna songs that i feel like when we had our a debrief episode you're like oh yeah of course i know that i knew that song i'll, yeah, I'll,
1: cool. I'll tell susan it's three and a half we'll see we'll we'll, we'll and i'm okay we'll okay
0: all right yes or no will tony romo call taylor swift travis kelsey's wife no no i'm going Just yes.
1: it's already cause... happened right
0: i'm going yes i'm going yes um this one i think i found and i i thought this was a good one uh Will the Andy Reid punt pass and kick clip be shown?
1: <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. I uh,
0: ho- hope so. Is yes. I'm putting Steve's official answer.
1: I also. I'm think sure yes. it won't, but I hope so. That's that's the best one of the best pieces of 1970s sports TV <laughs> left. You know. <laughs>
0: yeah, I figured.
1: And if you don't uh, know, yes, yes. All right. Uh,
0: two and two ish, three more here. All right. Who will the MVP thank first?
1: Um, it's teammates
0: teammates? okay. I think it's gonna be the the traditional God somebody that I just want to thank God first first and we'll foremost. All right, the two toughest questions, the okay. two questions on everybody's mind. If the Chiefs win, Will Travis Kelsey propose to Taylor Swift? No, no. I think I I think you know what I think I decided in this moment I think yes I, and that's that's not that's to be well he's
1: not going to be he's not going to do that in the Super Bowl no way. I just, I or think the they, aftermath.
0: I think I think they're going to get caught up in the emotion. It's been America's love story. Why not? All right. Last question: Who will win the Super Bowl?
1: I think the 49ers win.
0: I you know, I know I said Travis Kelsey's gonna be MVP or ask Taylor Swift to propose, but I i think it's just their time. And I also think
1: I gotta I can't not support Kevin Gibbons, you know, pride of Altino. There you go, that's true. Altino Boys, that's true. Good you uh, no, I wouldn't be right. upset at the Chiefs won. I don't have any yeah. They're they're likeable enough group. I just I, I just think the 49ers, this might be their time, might be their game.
0: Yeah, I I don't know, they they kind of looked Un, not unstoppable, but kind of unstoppable all year. And I guess the last time they went to the Super Bowl, they looked the same way and didn't do quite well. Um, but they just—I don't know. I feel, I feel confident. In them. About
1: their turf. Maybe they aren't going to practice well. Maybe that's going to hurt them. Well, I, it was, soft fields at UNLV, God forbid.
0: I was gonna say that, and the I don't know if you saw the tweet that was going around that they they put out it was like a pump up video. Did you see this? Mm-hmm. So they put out like a pump up video, you know how every team does, like pump up. Yep. And the caption of the pump up video was "Against All Odds," and the the Forty Nineers have been favored in nineteen of nineteen. Years. I was gonna this say was what a,
1: what, a, what a, maybe they're playing the Michigan. Maybe it's the 49ers against. <laughs> yeah, everybody.
0: yeah, yeah. We should we should we should spend some time on that because I have I have opinions on annoying phrase um so okay all right there's our super bowl picks we'll digest it and break down the super bowl in our traditional game commercials and programming That's production right, I gotta, format. I
1: watch commercials and be prepared for that discussion okay, yes good. Steve, god homework.
0: you've got a lot of homework all right this week's old guy young guy is super bowl themed and i want to know and, and i i think I think I, I think I know your answer on this, but I don't know my. I don't. I'm. I know my answer on it. I don't know if I know your answer on it. Is this week's old guy? Young guy is is the Super Bowl party dead?
1: No, no. It's just 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 made over. It, it's changed a little bit, but Super Bowl. It, it's it was hurt by COVID, right? It was it was hurt. It it was hurt by. I heard I had some 30 something this week tell me sobriety is now a new big thing among a certain age group of mm-hmm. people. So those things aren't helping it, but it is still no, it is still a it is still the, the top three or so gatherings, gatherings slash an event thing of the calendar year. So behind like Thanksgiving, Christmas, uh, maybe five, Halloween. Like it's 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 a it's a holiday party.
0: So, will you be partaking in a Super Bowl party, or will no? I don't like people. No. Okay, that's that's what I was gonna. That's what I figured. Okay. No, we will do that if you have to. Here's here's. I was thinking about this earlier, and I don't know why this popped in my head, but like, you said it there. Like, it used to be before COVID primarily, and and maybe it's because I moved away, right? Like moved moved away even. Like, but even in college we always still got together and watched the super bowl we watched it at least one dorm um or at least one somebody's apartment as many people could kind of cram in but i was thinking about this like the super bowl used to be there are certain holidays there where you know you're guaranteed to see a family member like your your one uncle that you don't really get to see and it's always like that the super bowl is one of those for however many years and 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 it kind of i don't know i i don't know a lot of people my generation that are going over to a friends or families in the same way we used to, to to watch Super Bowl I think everybody just kind of wants to go sit on their couch like I I, I hate watching the Super Bowl with anybody that, that isn't my wife and my dogs yeah, it was always
1: tough right when you couldn't watch it when people wanted to have something else going on it was yeah. yeah I want to watch
0: the game I want to listen to the commercials I want to listen to the halftime show
1: I want it well, and the, NFL, yeah. the NFL would be okay with that right because more TVs right fewer people together more TVs more viewership in terms of devices turned on um I don't know. I mean, because now that you say that, I guess I don't know a lot of people that are doing it, and probably like a church or social group would do one somewhere. We invited people over out of town, like so. We would have had a couple here, but they're they're going to be out of town. Um, I still think it's top five or so of event. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I was.
0: What was the last time you watched a Super Bowl with with in a, a communal setting? I guess.
1: It's been probably, a while for me. Probably three years ago. Trying to think, okay. I don't know the game, but it's been three like last year. Chiefs beat somebody, right? So it was just us. Probably like three or four years ago. Maybe, maybe it was pre-COVID. Honestly, it would probably been pre-COVID. Now that I say that, okay. so four mm-hmm. or five years. No, I'm just curious. It's a good topic. All right.
0: Um, that's it for this week's show. Um, look out for Steve's kill, post this week. I'm. I'm eager. I'm excited. Just based off some texts he was sending me today, uh, we will be back next Appreciation week.
1: Appreciation for his success as a wrestler. That's all it is. Okay. All right. all right.
0: Um, then we will be back next week to recap the Super Bowl, like always, kind of our traditional bigger one of our cornerstone episodes of the podcast. Um, thank you to Brad Keen for joining us. It was a great conversation. Really interesting conversation. We do appreciate that. Uh, in the meantime. We've got a website. It's called stuffsummersays.com. On that website, there's a section which Steve will publish something to probably this week called with Steve. Steve. Um, We have email addresses. Mine is Darian at stuffsummersays.com. Steve says
1: Steve at stuffsummersays.com.
0: Five stars, thumbs up, all of that. We really appreciate that. Mm. Uh, I think that's it. I don't think there's any other housekeeping. Other than the one housekeeping thing that's left, and that's to tell you our Twitter handles, which mine's uh, at stuffsummer says, Steve says,
1: at Steve Samsel. We're out of here. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Turn up the music, baby. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Bye.